0: Welcome back to Insemination. My name is Laura High, and I am your chaotic sperm donor baby of the podcast world. I am quite excited to bring on this next guest. I know that I always say this, but this next guest is a friend in real life, so I'm so excited to have her on. This next guest is Mel Bornico, and she is a representative of the United States Donor Conceived Council, or also known as the USDCC. The USDCC is a nonprofit organization comprised of donor-conceived people. And not only does this nonprofit help educate the public on donor conception issues, they have also gotten donor conception regulation laws passed. They are fierce. But before we get to the episode, let's just do a little bit of housekeeping. Please follow, like, subscribe, do the comment review thingy because that that thing helps. And also remember, these are not just recorded podcast episodes. We also film them. The full episodes are always available on YouTube if you are a visual learner like myself. Also, please remember that I am still currently fundraising for an upcoming donor conceived event in New Orleans this October. Donation links are in the caption. All money that is collected is going to be used to get donor-conceived people to my event because what? Representation matters and we need as much representation as we can. So every single dollar is going to be paying for hotel rooms, food, plane tickets, all for donor-conceived people. Lastly, just a reminder that I will be headlining in Washington, D.C., September 19th, and I'll be headlining in New Orleans at The Howling Wolf October 15th at 8 p.m. And part of the proceeds from that show will be going to Donor Conceived Issues. All ticket links are available on my website. But now, let's get to the episode. And welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Thank you so much for coming in studio. Hi Laura, it's so great to be here. It's good to be here with you and I always get so excited when I'm like, ooh, it's a donor conceived local. Yay!
1: <laughs> Our little New York community of DCP.
0: Well, there is a lot of the infertility yeah. industry that like exists with like I- with here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I'm so excited uh, for you to talk about um, talk about the council and everything. But first, you know, I'd love to just kind of hear more about your personal donor-conceived story because, hey, we should hear more donor-conceived stories. Awesome, yeah.
1: So, I mean, I can just start at the beginning basically. So, I was, I am a late discovery donor-conceived person via egg donation. So, uh, at, I, at
0: what age did you discover?
1: Yeah. So, when I was, it was just a couple weeks before I turned 22. Uh, my mom. Sat down, my brother and I. I was raised with a full sibling brother. Okay. Um, and she like called a family meeting. And we don't. Oh, that's
0: never could. Yeah.
1: And like we're not, we don't have family meetings, right? <laughs> like we're not that kind of family. So in my head, I'm just like, all right, someone's definitely dying. <laughs> oh my God. And so she goes into the, she starts talking and she, and it was nothing that I expected. I'm waiting for the punchline at this point because I, I think it's a joke. And I, she's like, so we used another woman's egg basically to have you guys. And I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and I think she's joking. And then she she's becoming visibly upset. And I could tell at that point that she wasn't joking. And I was like, oh my God, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. <laughs> you know? Oh
0: my God. Um
1: and so you could just tell us something that she was holding in for a really long time and it was just constantly on her mind sort of. And so it was certainly nothing that I ever expected to hear in my life. I didn't even know what a donor conceived person was. And I think the extent of donor conception that I knew about was like like sperm donation and lesbians having kids. Like that was the only thing sort of yeah. that I had really ever been aware of uh, in this whole field. Um, and it was really surreal, you know. I just remember sort of thinking like, Later that night, just driving around, like, I'm not related to my mom. And part of me also kept thinking of my cousins and my family on that side and that they were more related to my mom than I was. Right?
0: I have the same thing. Yeah. And I'm
1: like, it was like, I don't want to call it jealousy because I love my cousins and everything, but it was hard. I was like, damn, like, I want to be related to my cousin. Like, that kind of thing. It was just completely shattering whatever i understood like my whole life up to that point to be sort of it was very odd i am so
0: glad you said that because i've realized i've always felt that way as well but never verbalized it yeah yeah i'm jealous of like my other relatives who are like more related to my dad than I am. Yeah, like my cousin is more related, and I'm like, oh my god, like you look more like my dad than I do. Yeah, it's this weird type of I.
1: I. It's this weird new version of. Yeah. I guess jealousy is the only way I could describe it, but even that doesn't feel like it comes close enough. Um.
0: No, it's it's definitely it's got it's got a fun new flair on it. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it, it's definitely part jealousy is yeah. in there. But yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know. But no, I, I, I. That's so funny. Yeah. I'm curious to know how many other donor conceived. People also have felt that way as well because no, I've never yeah. verbalized that. Yeah, it's just,
1: it's, it was an odd. Phenomenon, but yeah. it was also really clarifying, right? And I'm sure like you, a lot of DCP relate to this is like it just made so many things make sense yeah. uh, For example, my brother is Ridiculously taller than the rest of my family really? and we were just sort of like oh, I guess that was in the gene pool somewhere, but now it makes sense, right? Okay, like it, my mom's pretty short, but that makes sense that he didn't get it from her because he did not uh, and and my mother and I don't necessarily have like a strong resemblance in the sense that like mm-hmm. you like can look at our noses and see that we're... Like, we just look like two women who were cast in a movie to play mother and daughter. There's enough there that you don't have to explain the backstory, you know what I mean? But if you look hard enough, it's. I just always assumed that maybe I would look like her when I'm older or something like that. Or maybe I just look more like my dad. But now it makes sense that I never saw that. Um, and there were certain things growing up. I mean, there's always that mother-daughter, teenage-daughter like type of combativeness growing mm-hmm. up. Uh, and it always seemed... Maybe a particularly type of strong level of that when I was Mm. growing up and it made sense in retrospect what all those times that I was frustrated that she it didn't seem like she was understanding me, you know, Mm. or that I wasn't seeing parts of myself in her in the way that a lot of other a lot of my friends saw themselves in their mothers so that yeah. made a lot of things make sense and that was really relieving actually because for a really long time i thought i was doing something wrong uh and the fact that i wasn't this whole time it was just sort of a weight off my shoulders so and then it was also curiosity i was like wow do i have any siblings out there like do you, what is this donor like what's she like and so it was a whole just mixed bag of emotions um and a lot of people ask me, was I angry? Was I happy? Mm-hmm. Was I whatever? And just all the emotions I just say yes to because <laughs> it was it was just so mixed. Yeah. And um, and a lot of people do point out, I, I think the anger part is something I really want to explore too is because there was a grieving process yeah. of realizing that I was lied to, you know, and things yeah. could have been different, of course. And at the same time, I, even though I know I'm allowed to feel angrier I just don't I think what I feel more so for my mother particularly is just compassion because when she told us the truth you could just see like the guilt and the shame and the heartbreak all over her and it made me wonder like she didn't deserve to feel like that my whole life she deserved to raise her children without feeling like that and she deserved better so she could be fully present with her children as she was raising them and it just i i attribute it more to another problem with the industry that my mother felt so unprepared to navigate this whole situation
0: i am so so grateful that you said that because i i really do like i feel like so many of the problems uh that that exist within the donor, and, and it's not everything because there's just so many problems that are that just come from our unregulated system. But mm-hmm. one of the big problems, one of the biggest problems, is the lack of resources for recipient parents, yeah. the stigma of infertility, mm-hmm. and the fact that it is still expected that like it's going to be a secret. Yeah, like, we're just not going to tell anybody. Yeah, and that is. I do. I think it causes so many of the recipient parents, um, not just pain, but I think it it makes their infertility trauma like I, I, it ten times worse, and they end up, yeah. and like for there's so many recipient parents where where they go like no 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 I was fine, I I was fine I didn't have trauma over it because I had you and I'm like that's not how that works I'm not. Yeah. I actually, we are not the cure for infertility trauma. Yeah. We're not. You got to go get treated first because what's going to end up happening is you will take that infertility trauma out uh, out on us, mm-hmm. whether it is pressure to be a certain way, to be a success, to be worth that money. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much of that.
1: Yeah. And that'll happen unconsciously even when parents don't realize it too. Yeah. And it's certainly like, there, I remember when I was a little kid my mom's friends were over and they were being they were being, you know the Long Island where they are like oh you look so much like your mother and I just stood there and obviously I'm like 8 years old I'm like really I thought I looked more like my dad and I didn't think anything of it but my mom is right there and you just know what's going through her mind and she yep. wasn't saying anything probably because of the elephant in the room that I didn't even know about and it's like yeah. you know it, it just didn't have to be that way you know what I mean <laughs>
0: no it, it, it shouldn't be there's should shouldn't be any I mean with how many people actually struggle with infertility. I it, it's a huge portion mm-hmm. globally mm-hmm. of the world the fact that we are still it, it's still stigmatized in such a horrific way is just it doesn't serve anybody. Well it serves the infertility industry, yeah. but <sighs> it doesn't serve our population. Yeah. Um, so I'm so glad and it's and the longer that I do this, the longer I'm in advocacy, the more compassion I do have for That kind of trauma. Yeah, exactly. And the more I, for me, I have a real, I have a real bug up my ass for when anybody goes like, well, if you're just infertile, deal with it. Yeah. And I'm like, that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. When you throw out those kinds of insults and actually makes my advocacy 10 times harder. Yeah, exactly. You're not helping. Stop.
1: Yeah. And there's certainly, I mean, like I, I'm not someone who says that donor conception shouldn't exist because I think that there's certainly ways for it exists to be ethical. You know, just think of the donor conceived person first and foremost. You know, give them space to understand their situation and what it means to them on their own. Like, don't tell them how to feel about certain like, you know, there's certainly ways to make it ethical. So I don't think necessarily it shouldn't exist um, or anything like that. I just, you know. I just Absolutely. want more compassion for us as I give more p- compassion to everybody else in in the triad. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but
0: I think more compassion is definitely is definitely needed um definitely uh towards donor conceived people, but I do and please tell me if I'm wrong, but I would not all advocates, but I would say the majority of the advocates want donor conception to still exist, but yeah. ethically like that yeah. Is never and it's always the number one question I'm asked is like so you're trying to end donor conception mm-hmm. I'm like
1: no that's something with USDCC that we get a lot too is we do get a lot of questions of are you guys trying to end donor conception altogether yeah. and it's no like even if you read our um our call to action on our page it's putting DCP first and foremost yeah. in all matters just in all decisions regarding donor conception yeah um we're not trying to end it there's no need for that right um. It's just, first and foremost, what it, what would be best for the donor-conceived person? Because they, at the end of the day, they do have the least amount of choice. And it's not like people choose infertility. It's not like people choose—it's no. not like this is a lot of people's, you know, necessary necessarily like their first path for a lot yeah. of people. But it's out of all the people involved in this process, the donor-conceived person has the least amount of choice. Uh, so—
0: and the donor conception yeah. affects the donor conceived person
1: the most. Exactly. And exactly.
0: It's not the choices are not just going to affect our bodies, our future. It also affects our children. Yeah, and their children too. Yeah, and it affects the whole the whole lineage. It absolutely does. Um, but I'd love to to um, pivot back to your story. Did you find your donor? I
1: did. So it was actually a funny journey. So I. Between learning I was donor-conceived and learning who the donor was, Mm -hmm. it was about eight months.
0: Whoa. So, yeah, that was mad quick. That's a fast turnaround. Like, that's not typical
1: for donor-conceived people. No, no. And so I, like, took the DNA test... Uh, it connected me to, like, some distant cousins and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if I have any siblings, but to my knowledge, I don't have any other half-siblings from the donor besides the brother that I was raised with. But okay. um, I ended up getting in touch with a search angel, which for people listening to this, if you don't know what that is, they're trained genealogists um, who help with uh, a lot of things, including helping DCP and uh, NPEs and adoptees connect with relatives through, um, through genetic testing. And so there was... You can pay for them or there are volunteers that will do it for free. There was just one available, like a volunteer for me when I was doing this. So he was able to kind of put the final pieces together, connect me to someone who is likely the donors, her first cousin um sat on that information for a couple of weeks and then mm-hmm. finally reached out to him i wasn't fully honest at first i was just kind of like oh just looking for family history like do you know how we're related i don't know <laughs> uh yeah. and that didn't yield any results so maybe like a week later i was like all right listen uh i have something more to tell you explain the situation and he was thankfully so understanding he said oh that's great. and that was such a relief too because you see you see stories of people getting hit with cease and desist letters just complete lack of empathy if not outright aggression towards them for just being curious but he said like uh he had a friend a couple years ago who sort of had the same thing going on so he 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 understood and he gave me the information i needed and he's like there's this one cousin i have that might be her uh and so i tracked her down and then i sat on that information for three years um and <laughs> yep, and part of me was like, I don't really know what because also I know that she lives on the other side of the country, too. So not only like geographically, but time wise, what do I do with this person? You know, it's not like we can go meet for coffee. And also we're both adults now. I don't really know. Like, I didn't know what to do with the whole situation.
0: Well, there's no there's no script. Exactly. There's, as we said, lack of resources, lack of fucking resources. Yeah. yeah.
1: And also part of me knew that there was a chance that she might not be receptive. And yeah. I think subconsciously part of me would rather not know yeah. for a really long time than risk that that just stress of someone not understanding or deliberately misunderstanding why I was contacting them. So I didn't reach out. And then one day I think I just sat down and was like, you know, God forbid she dies in a car accident next week. And I'm and I know that's morbid, but you just never know what's gonna happen. You never know. And so I sort of just bit the bullet, wrote her a Facebook message and uh, she responded the next day. Wow. And she was like, Well, this isn't exactly going to be short conversation. Do you have time for a call? And right in <laughs> that moment I knew that we were related because that's some shit I would respond with. <laughs> I was like, wow, I would really just respond to, like this matter of fact. Well, okay. Yeah, let's let's get on the phone kind of thing. Um, and she was really understanding, and she we had a lot of long talks, and she you know stayed on her own. Like she's like, it's my ethical duty to give you health information. Like she's like, I I understand Yo, I that. Yeah. that. I
0: appreciate that. Yeah, mean, bare minimum, but I I but still that is so
1: rare. Yeah, for real. And that even I was and, so and, grateful. And just wait, she even said because I asked her, I'm like, were you surprised to hear from me? And she was. She's like, let's put it this way, I probably wasn't as surprised to hear from you as you were to find out. That you were donor conceived and i appreciated that so much just that element of because it's so rare wow. for people to put themselves in the shoes of someone in, who is donor conceived and it's just such a small thing and granted yeah like you said maybe it is bare minimum Snaps but it's just her. so rare and i was like thank you for saying that thank you for acknowledging yeah. that you know i don't want you to be my mommy. I don't even know no. if, like how often I'm going to be talking to you or anything like that. But just thank you. It was such a relief. And so, all things considered, my situation went pretty well. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I had it pretty easy compared to a lot of donor-conceived people because there are yeah. people who gotta practically beg just for medical history. Yeah, and it's just that should never be the case.
0: It really is like, and I and I like if there's anybody wondering because. You know, one of the things that uh, a lot of like, I-, I would say the society is like, well, you know, it, it it's we don't want the donor see people calling the donors because then they're going to ask for inheritance. And I'm like, That's, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I've, yeah. I've genuinely never heard of that no. happening. No, And if it is, it is one case like I've never no. that would have been we would have known about that in our circles. Exactly. I've exactly. never heard of somebody asking for inheritance yeah it's the last thing on your mind it's like hey can i know who you were as a person yeah
1: so it's to understand yourself more at the end of the day i was kind of wondering also like what did she look like when she was my age like what what was she into you want to do some genetic mirroring you want to see
0: a piece of you that you've never seen you want to see those pieces of you reflected. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Me, too. I'm I'm so happy. And that's why, like,
1: you know, and now I do advocacy with USGCC. Right. And I didn't get involved because I think there's a big misconception that the only donor conceived advocates or a majority of them are just people who had a bad experience and are angry that things didn't go their way. You know? Yeah. And I think I mean, I, I feel like. A, that's not true for a lot of DCP. And if you yeah. need living proof, I'm right here. You know, it's just things went, all things considered, pretty well for me. I really can't complain. Like, uh, and then the reason I got involved with advocacy is because after I started connecting to other donor conceived people, Yeah. It's, it seemed like you know, it was just listening to people's stories that I was like, oh, wow, that's weird. The doctor used his own sperm. Like, well, oh, that's weird. You have 100 siblings. And yeah. then you see that over and over. You see the same story over and over. The more people you talk to, you're like, this is a. wait a second this This is is a a bigger problem problem than just people's individual situations there's a and then the more you learn about how unregulated it is i was shocked i didn't know about that i was like i was like of course there's got to be regulations there's got to be be something like
0: that of course it makes sense and you look into it and you're shocked to find out there's not there's there's yeah it's it's a it's a tissue paper in terms of regulations and no. And it's uh, the comment that I get so much is they're like, well, it's not my problem that you had a traumatizing life. And I'm like, <laughs> "One, in terms of donor conceived stories, like my m- my own obstacles with it are fairly mild. Yeah. I uh, My story ain't that bad. Mm-hmm. I would not be. If we based everything solely off of my story, I would not be advoca- advocating for 90 percent of the laws yeah. that I do. Yeah. For real. Yeah. And it's because of the majority of our community when you because when you do start to listen to donor conceived people on mass, you go, oh, shit, there's a
1: serious problem. And it's if there are systemic problems that are routinely causing trauma for people, why not Fix that. Why, why not? Yeah. I, exactly. It's just, it just makes the most sense. If you're not doing it for just true compassion for other people, yeah. if nothing else, if no other reason, why not just do it because it makes sense?
0: And that's always a thing that it, it, you know, whenever I I sort of uh hit those, let's say, uh less than empathetic walls. Mm-hmm. I always kind of I'm like, you have to also understand that it affects you as in terms of society, yeah. because it's limiting the diversity of our gene pool, which mm-hmm. we know what happens when that happens. Mm-hmm. It, it gets dicey pretty quickly. yeah. Um, and I always tell people, like, just because you don't think donor conception affects you, it actually really might. Yeah, it could. Your brother, your sister might be a donor. You might be donor conceived yeah. and you just don't fucking know it yeah, yet. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it's your best friend might be donor conceived. You might be. You might end up marrying a donor conceived person. I, there's just so many ways in which it actually can directly affect you. Yeah. Um, your child might end up marrying a donor conceived person, or needing to use donor conception, or using, or you
1: might need donor conception. Who knows? Who really? I, infertility doesn't. score It's everywhere. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. No, and it really is. I don't understand the lack of compassion and empathy because it's. It is so. Not wanting a hundred siblings seems to be like I I don't understand how there is that kind of miss where people don't understand that one.
1: Yeah, and. I, and inherently anyone listening to this podcast is like going to be more open-minded. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I do hope so. I, more, I will say my, my listeners are, y'all are pretty fantastic. You all are. I believe that. You got are. some solid fans out there. Um, but I think one of the problems is, and part of it is just people can be assholes sometimes, right? Yeah. But I think another part of it is even really well-meaning people struggle to make that empathetic connection, even very progressive people, because there is quite literally no comparison to donor conception in the world. The closest parallel we have to donor conception is adoption. And Mm -hmm. even that has its differences. Contracts are signed after conception, sometimes after birth or whatever the case may be. Yeah. There's a certain degree of intention that goes into creating donor conceived people that you don't see with adoption, and that's not to say problems are better or worse on one side or the other. No, that's but just it, say there there is a difference. Different, right? And that,
0: and that is a difference yeah. when, when it when it happens, and 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 that's always something that people uh, that we always have a there's always a disconnect where um, I'm like the donor is walking in, understanding what their eggs or sperm are getting used for. Mm-hmm. They know the parents are walking in understanding what is, like no one's tripping and falling into a cup. Mm -hmm. Well, even that sometimes too.
1: And I don't know how often this happens anymore, but there are donor can see people who have contacted the donor. And this is normally what sperm donors, but maybe egg donors too. I don't really know. But, uh, and the donor would say, I didn't even know it was going to this. They said that it was being used for research.
0: That is true. That has yeah. happened, that too. Has. You are right. That that, yeah. that has happened. And even
1: with like misleading marketing practices in recruitment, particularly with egg donation recruitment, too, yeah. it totally dilutes the long-term implications of this. And it can be a very beautiful thing, right, being a donor for somebody else. But if you don't understand what you're entering into and if the only thing you're seeing is the clinic marketing going i paid for my vacation with the money i got from donating eggs and now a family's happy and i'm happy and we're good to go all things like you know we're done we're we're good that's not helpful for anybody that no. is not helpful obviously for not for the don't see person what no. parent would want a donor who went in for for that reasons first of all and second of all like and third The donor deserves to know that this is a lifelong decision here. They do. They do deserve that. And so and obviously there are donors that go into it saying, oh, like, I don't care. I'll just tell the DCP that I don't want anything to do with it. Sure. That does happen. And at the same time, I have personally spoken with so many donors that were like, I I, even even my biological mother, my parents donor was like, I was not thinking about it like that when I was Mo- in the process. No, absolutely not.
0: No, we, no. we've had, um, God, I have to see, I'll see if I can find it in time, but there are, we have found comments going, they're not my biological children. And we're like, yeah, 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 they are, yeah, though. They are though. And they're like, no, it's not how it works. I'm like, actually, that's exactly how it works. These are your <laughs> biological children. And I'm like, this is your fucking donors? Yeah. They don't understand this? Yeah, how? badly are yeah. you informing them yeah. and you actually took a person on that didn't realize that yeah. like really yeah
1: that's very responsible in the clinics part
0: it is yeah. so then let's sort of talk more about the industry's responsibility and sort yeah. of like why we're in this mess and so i'm very very happy um to say that i you know, I I get to consider the, the council as a, as a colleague, as it were. Um, and what you guys do is just, it's so fantastic and it's so brilliant. And I would love, I want you to kind of flex a little bit. I want you to (laughs) flex on the council's behalf and talk about what y'all do because it's so amazing. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, first of all, um, Right back at you. <laughs> you're awesome, and everything you're doing is awesome. Well, and you guys
0: are more of like you guys come in and you do things professionally, whereas <laughs> I just kind of come in like Wreck-It Ralph, and I'm just like bah. And then hey. you guys come in and you're like, no, okay, let, let's actually talk contracts. Hey, but you got
1: you got to come at it from all different angles, right? Hey. We all have our we all have yeah, our we all sense. have our strengths and weaknesses and strategies and whatever. Um, but yeah, so the U.S. Donor Conceived Council. Uh, That started in, it started as an idea in 2021, actually, probably about Two years ago now to the day, almost, um, was so I, I was part of the We Are Donor Conceived Facebook group, which, if people listening to this don't know, it's just basically a big community uh, started by Aaron Jackson uh, for donor conceived people to sort of receive support, talk to each other, and, you know, find resources and other people who share their situation. Um, Aaron Jackson posted in We Are Donor Conceived one day in the Facebook group saying, Does anybody have experience with nonprofits? I want to step up my advocacy. And I saw that and I did uh, have experience with that stuff in college and everything, but also I had been wanting to step up my advocacy for a long time, and I just didn't know how. Yeah. Right, and there was a lot of important advocacy going on, a lot of like legislative efforts going on up until that point, but nothing centralized. Mm-hmm. Right, and there was really just this void already of this this organization that did advocacy and education specifically, and it came through. That. Uh, and so I immediately reached out to her. We got to talking. And it started just four of us. Uh, me, Erin, uh, Jillian Phillips, and Tyler Sniff, who are still on the board to this day. Um, and it was just us sort of working out of our homes, uh, trying to connect with people, starting up the social media and everything. Uh finally in January 22, we incorporated officially as a 501c3 nonprofit. And from there on we just kind of launched into action we passed the donor conceived persons and families of donor conceived persons protection act in Colorado which is set to kick in yeah, in 2025 um and that happened within like maybe 5 months of us incorporating it was yeah. awesome and it just and, and it was sort Can of you talk start... about
0: the details of that Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a definitely. big one it's it's
1: a meaty bill so um basically what uh, it accomplished was it sort of just Solidified the recommendations that the ASR, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, um, already sort of stated for the industry in general. And so the ASRM sets these guidelines uh, for the industry that are non-binding, but um,
0: for they, anybody, you know, if you're first time yeah. listening, always want to... the ASRM is the American Society of Reproductive Medicine. They constitute guidelines for clinics and cryobanks to follow. They are not regulations; they are guidelines. They are not binding, as as uh, Melissa just said. So. Exactly. Yes.
1: The way you just put it. Perfectly.
0: Uh, And so we
1: started with that, right? So as we know, there is no legal limit in the U.S. to the amount of people Mm -hmm. who can be created from one donor, which has led to problems like mega-sibling groups, accidental incest, and just the paranoia of accidental incest can be damaging enough. So there was a global limit set in Colorado of 25 families worldwide. So that's not people because it became dicey because, oh, what if one family wants to have this many kids, so they have to use another. Like, so, just family limits was what we went with there because it was a lot more straightforward. And granted, twenty five is a very high number. Well, uh, you guys
0: wanted a, a smaller. We number. We wanted
1: a smaller number too, but in order to get the bill to pass, that was what we had to compromise on. Which you know what? All oh, right, it's it's a start. It's sure. a, no, It is yeah. a start. You got <laughs> to start somewhere. Yeah, and, and hopefully f- one day we'll see we'll see something more reasonable safer. and safer.
0: But, but you know what? Sure. But given the pod sizes that we know that do exist, yeah. I will take a 25 family limit because it does stop the insanity pods that do exist out yeah. there. Yeah. And I happily take this. And granted
1: there are that doesn't mean that donors can't go to other states yeah. and everything, but at least within Colorado <laughs> we have that now. So, anyway, it set the global family limit for gametes uh coming out of Colorado and in Colorado, uh, it also um, what was it? It required health uh, health history verification and regular updates every couple of years, um, and it required identity release at 18 if the donor-conceived person requested it. Uh, And so that and there are other things also that were within this bill, but those are the three really big things that um, were pretty high on our advocacy list to start with, uh, because as we know, it's. And, you know, all except Colorado know in the U.S., it's not required for clinics or agencies to verify a donor's history, which has led to situations where a donor has lied about their health history. A DCP inherited something they didn't know about and they died as a result. Yeah. Um, and not even that, too. But you got to also update it, because if I donate eggs at 25, get cancer at 26 and don't tell them, I'm, I, I legally am not doing anything wrong. But morally, I am. Right. Yes. Uh, and so... And we did. This was also based off of our advocacy survey that we did. We surveyed the donor conceived community, their parents, the donors, and allies about what kind of legislation do you guys want to see. And the top five results are listed on our website. But it was things like you know ID release. It was health verification limits on families slash siblings. Um, and uh,
0: if i remember and please stop me if i'm wrong but the last uh we are donor conceived survey that i believe was in 2020
1: yeah so that was the we are donor conceived survey but the usccc did their own advocacy survey they did um separate from that oh okay yeah
0: then never mind um can you okay so then i have a question for you then so we have all of these uh new laws coming into the state of colorado Mm -hmm. which is amazing so i'd love for people to understand how that is going to work does that mean If you only are a citizen of Colorado, um, does that mean you are the ones who are protected or is it anybody in the city, anyone, sorry, anybody in the country who buys from Colorado also are going to be affected by these laws?
1: I do believe it's the second one you went with, but I will have to confirm that with you afterwards because I haven't read the bill in like a couple months. So it's I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I do believe it's the second thing. I'll confirm with you after.
0: Uh, No, no no worries. Um, For for anybody who is who is listening, uh, we're going to get this answer. And then I will right now I will post a graph on YouTube that will that will say it. So we we will figure this out. And before this episode gets posted, I will post this graph and it will say it. because, yeah, I'd love to know, you know, as recipient parents are, are moving forward, if how they can take advantage of that bill. Yeah. And take advantage in a good way. I, yeah. I
1: should say. And it's also designed to protect the parents, right? And the donors. Because if you walked into a clinic and wanted to donate gametes, if they told you they could legally create as many of your biological children as yeah. they wanted,
0: I can't imagine many people who would just be like, all right, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are some recipient parents who literally don't care that their kid is one of 100 we we have yeah
1: and and okay um i wish that
0: (laughs) was different
1: but uh, like there also aren't many parents who would be because also we do recommend, or we—it is helpful for DCP to connect with half siblings, yeah, especially from a young age, right? That's cool. That's awesome, yeah. and that's a lot of relationships to manage. Not just for the DCP, but for their parents when those yeah. ki- when those DCP are children. The, of course, the parents are doing all the work of arranging that. Yeah, who ha- who has the time or capacity to manage a hundred different relationships?
0: it's you know it, try making
1: plans with 10 people like even that is just impossible <laughs> we've all tried to uh, schedule that brunch and it does not work out no
0: not at all but no it, and it it always is because when everyone's like oh my god 100 siblings that's so cool I'm like how is that cool do you have a meaningful relationship with 100 people in your life yeah and even that
1: i know i don't have 100 like sure i guess theoretically like if they took 100 eggs from this woman maybe but i like realistically Being an egg donor person, like it's not, it's it's not going to happen. I'm not worried about it, but I do still see people on the street that look like me, and part of me is like, oh, are we related? Or this one time a couple years ago, a friend of mine, he was a waiter, and he told me that he had a table the day before that, and he says the woman looked just like you, and then he goes, well, she could have been your mom, but exact resemblance of resemblance and he didn't know i was doing a conceit so he didn't know what he was telling me he just thought it was a funny story but in my, my mind i'm like holy crap was this the donor <laughs> and i didn't know who she was at this point either so yeah. it, it very well could have been and just those things are just and i don't know i walk by someone on the street or my friend texts me oh there's this girl standing on the corner at broadway and whatever like who looks just like you i thought she was you i'm like you don't know what that means you for me."
0: literally everyone on tiktok yeah. tags me in different videos that they're like you look Like Laura's sibling. Have you taken a DNA test? Like, I get that all the time. Or people send me people on Instagram, like, oh, this
1: woman in Russia looks like you. I'm like, well, clinic ship internationally, so she very well might be a relative. Huzzah! And it's just, and sure, like, I can move through my life, like, you know, all right about it but it shouldn't have to be that way no and the only reason i'm sort of able to put it in the background of my head is because i i know that i'm not a sibling pod of 100 plus people like i i have that privilege of just the the nature of egg donation that's different from sperm donation but oh my god like i would be so paranoid about running into half siblings Mm -hmm. accidentally all the time if i Mm -hmm. knew it was more likely like it just i would be so paranoid and that enough that is enough to cause damage it really is
0: it, it yeah and i mean and especially i mean with me I, I would say with my pod is they they've estimated i probably have about 50 siblings mm-hmm. uh we we don't know and it definitely makes me go back and real and think like did i go to school with one of my siblings yeah. did i did I hook up with one of my siblings? Yeah. <laughs> um, I and I mean it's why uh, my husband took a DNA test before we got engaged because we were just like I, I have to I have to know yeah. for my own sanity yeah. I need to know this. Um, so but when when you guys were proposing the Colorado bill, how did the industry react? Did did the industry go like we love this? This is great. Sign it. Like how how was that negotiation?
1: Yeah. So um, as for the industry. Okay, so and we I know, both, know that that's a broad yeah, term. Yeah, yeah. So as far as like different stakeholders go, yes. um, we did try and get as much input as we could from a lot of different groups with, uh, you know, obviously with stakes in the changes, um, particularly people from the LGBTQ community because mm-hmm. As we know, the world is not friendly to anybody who's not straight uh, and cis, and we just didn't want to create more problems, right? And so, one of the things that we really prioritized—can I
0: also just say, like, I have loved that about our advocacy groups—is that, like, I've seen our advocacy groups take longer to get a bill passed Mm -hmm. to ensure that it's not going to have accidental damage to any other um, marginalized group. Like we've shot down our own bills when like, I'm gonna say a politician who we don't agree with i would say ethically Mm -hmm. is like oh no no, i'll help you with your bill and then we can just sneak in this stuff and we just go nope and we shoot down our own shit To yeah and i have to say i'm very proud of our advocacy groups for doing that
1: yeah and that's at the end of the day too not only is it like morally better to do that but it's more sustainable because what you don't want is to pass something and then after the fact realize oh crap yes we forgot something yeah Kind of thing, but as for the industry, uh, it wasn't the most favorable response. Uh, I know, shocker! I um, did not see <laughs> that coming. Who could have predicted that? But so, I it's just it's hard, right? Because, like, how do I want to put this? Let me think. It's hard because I it, just any. I get it. I used to work in the medical field, mm-hmm. and especially in the U S there are just so many problems with regulation or lack of regulation. Like it's just, and a lot of things just become a pain in the butt when there's just so much, like I used to work in clinical research, every little thing, every little thing, like miss one detail. It's the end of the world. And it really is too. And like, I get it, you know, and more regulation isn't always the best thing in healthcare because it makes everyone's lives harder and puts the patient at a different disadvantage. The problem is with the fertility industry, there is so little regulation yeah. that – and that some baseline regulation is not putting patients at a disadvantage. It is protecting them. Uh, and, yeah, if we're not responsible about it, we could make providers' lives harder. We could make – and yeah. and that inherently might contribute to phys- physician burnout and make the patient's lives harder and everything like that. But it, ju- it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be anything. Uh, that means that we have to be smart about how we go about it too. Yes. And that's not like – it's just and healthcare in general is such a complicated problem, yeah. this whole industry, but especially within the fertility industry, it is it is very complex, too. So I, I get when people I, I've been told that there have been people working at clinics who referenced the Colorado bill and called it petrifying. Right. Uh, that they were afraid that it was going to happen to them, too. or Like it's 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 they're afraid and. Um, and I get it because you got to keep more records and like that's a lot. And then it's like, how do we even start to do this? I get it. You got to create the infrastructure for all these changes. But it doesn't mean it shouldn't happen because we yeah. need records because people are quite literally dying.
0: Yeah, it's I understand you're going to have more work. You are not going to buy that second boat. oh
1: you poor thing no more yachts for you
0: but that's really what it it is is it is going to cut into the profit margin and that is it's a multi-billion dollar industry they could take a pay cut that's what i said that's not
1: that isn't a usdcc quote (laughs) (laughs) that is a melissa quote and how i've thought about things before but no
0: it it, i would i would have to say i validate that um and it, it really is like if you compare what they pay donors if you can take what, what a donor makes versus what a, a family pays and you look at the, it's exploitative. It's, it's insane. What, what the difference is. Yeah. And there's, I understand that there's overhead. Mm-hmm. I understand there's overhead to run a cryobank I, or a clinic. I totally appreciate that. But you don't have that much. Yeah. You don't have that no, much. No,
1: not at all. They're, they're parents who take all second and third mortgages on their yes. houses. I was... Talking to a parent last year, who her and her husband were going through the process of getting an egg donor, and she was practically in tears over like she wa- she's like I want to use a known donor, I want to do all these. things. It's just so expensive, and they yeah. make it so every little thing you every you get a picture. Oh, that's more money. Oh, you get all, like it's just oh like,
0: to get health how, records, yeah. you have to pay more money. It isn't, and this is something again for everyone to understand. Like when you buy a vial of of sperm, you don't get the health records for that sperm no. you have to pay extra <laughs> yeah. for the health records like that's insanity to me yeah. and you're paying a thousand dollars for a vial exactly a vial and that doesn't include health records are yeah. you shitting me yeah it's just it's it's such a
1: problem and at that point it's reaching the far beyond the point of like unnecessary right it's just that shit that is a problem and it's just these like these clinics are charging way too much for these things, and that they is are. that is that is not okay. It,
0: you know, it is, and that is part of I would say uh, I, I would say it's it's part of an issue with the fertility industry. I um is the amount that they're charging people. Yeah, ever it doesn't matter how much money you make for you know everyone struggles with fertility issues, and the fact that donor conception is only available for the wealthy is it's very, very, it's, it's not good. And then what ends up happening is because it costs so much, it drives people to go to these much more dangerous methods like yeah. Facebook groups yeah. where the, that's where the serial donors like, you know, hunt and pray. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, we, there needs to be mu- a much more reasonable cost that an average citizen can actually pay for. Um, but how? Ha- so, but I'm I'm so impressed with how quickly the donor conceived council like really picked up steam. Like you guys moved you. fast. How has the fertility industry reacted to you since then? Like how is it? And I and again I, I'm yeah. saying because with the fertility industry, you have the clinics, you have the cryobanks, you have the stakeholders, you have ASRM. Mm-hmm. Like there's I, I I'm saying a giant big blanket term right now. But um, but let's talk about ASRM. Sure. How has your relationship with ASRM been? Um, I don't like that pause. Yeah,
1: so, <laughs> so let's just start here. In 2021, so the, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine has a conference every year, uh, probably the biggest event in the year in the fertility industry, at least in the U.S. and possibly one of the biggest in the world. Um, and in 2021, they had a panel about open identity gamete donation. And the title was, what are the children saying? And not only do we not like being called children because there are DCP who have lived and died of old age. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just their DCP in their we're, 70s we're that adults. I know. Like, yeah, we're we're not children. Come on, guys. But also the panel did not have one donor conceived person on it. Uh and not only that, but the people who were on the panel, for the most part, had financial stakes in the industry. There was an, I believe it was a CEO or an owner of Seattle Sperm Bank who was on it. So that, like, come on. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, once we realized that was happening, um, obviously DCP were not okay with it. And what happened was we, a lot of us, took to Twitter and basically added the ASRM because we had no other way. To, I, I believe people were emailing and they obviously weren't hearing back, hearing back, but we took to Twitter and we were basically like, why aren't there DTP on this paddle? Come yeah. on. And also, what's with the name? Come on, y'all. And. Uh, and eventually what they did was they allowed DCP to create a video about the DCP perspective that was used in the supplemental material uh, oh, to how, that panel. Thank you. Yeah. And, th- and they said it was too late to change the panel or all this stuff. And we're like, OK, whether or not that's true, I don't know. Um, yeah. But we took the opportunity. We gave them the video. And it didn't really get a whole lot of views from what I remember. It was like less than 200. So it, it, it really could have been better in a lot of ways. Um, but if you were someone on the ASRM who was in charge of this panel and putting this together... Ideally, it should be a learning experience, right? Oh, wow. How did we not think of that? You know, if at at very best, how did we not think of that kind of thing? Next year, let's do a panel of DCP, uh, about DCP with DCP on it, if we're going to do this. But After that, it was like – it was as if they kind of just expected us to go away, just radio silence the next year. No DCP panels, no – not a word from anybody about the year before and how to make it better. Or It was just sort of like – In 2022. Yeah, in 2022. And then again this year, there's all – just same thing as last year. Well, in
0: 2022, I – uh, I, I went to one of the, one of the conferences mm-hmm. and I went up to the woman who was, um, in charge of it. And I'm like, so what are your thoughts on the fact that there are no DCP on any of the panels at ASRM? Mm-hmm. And she was just like, Oh, well, you know, I'm just not in charge. Well, there was that stakeholder meeting and I'm like, that's not <laughs> that also
1: wasn't run by the ASRM that wasn't at all. No <laughs> also.
0: And, and I literally, and it was actually funny because, uh, one of the recipient parents who spoke on that panel said she was like, no DCP has been invited. And she was like, what? like She was genuine, she was like, they should be hearing from you from the most. Like as a recipient parent, she was like, that's insane. yeah My other favorite reaction was there was another recipient father there. And I was like, what do you think about the fact that no donor conceived person has been invited to talk on any panels? And he was like, well, why would donor conceived people do that? Like, how would that serve you? And I'm like, as a recipient father, as a recipient parent, the fact that oh, you boy. don't know that yeah. and you were invited to speak on a panel is extraordinarily concerning yeah. to me. The fact that oh, you boy. don't know. And no, I'm like, sir, you have you have a donor conceived child. Yeah. And they asked you to speak on a panel and you don't understand. You can't connect the dots. A panel is supposed to
1: be composed of experts. And if you don't know that simple fact about how it would be serving a DCP to speak on a panel about themselves, you are not an expert. You
0: you shouldn't be (laughs) on a panel. But also this should be a red flag to you going, I don't understand enough about my child. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean,
1: just it's. With The whole thing with the video and then hearing nothing afterwards, and it was almost like they just wanted us to like, all right, here you go. Like they dangled the carrot in front yeah. of us, gave us some breadcrumbs and was like, you're full now, kind of. And it, and we're not just going to shut up and go away. A because it's important to us, but B because we keep being created, right? Like yeah. the more you create DCP, the more we're just going to be growing up and speaking out about this. It's just if you don't change things, this is just going to keep happening for you. You know,
0: it's that's the way. <laughs> it's, it's clearly snowballing that yes. way. Yes, and th- all we are doing is finding more donor conceived people, and more donor conceived people are getting pissed. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That is what is happening. That is the trajectory. And it was like, guys, you know better than us how many of us you fucking made. Yeah. Like you created your own karmic reaction. Yeah. And so um, there's this one person within
1: the ASRM, his name is Sean Tipton. Uh, Hi. He, yeah. And so he does a lot of work for the ASRM, um, one of which is lobbying. And he has gone on the record saying that uh, DCP aren't their patients. And he's basically used that as the reason to justify not including DCP voices. And it's like, okay, sure. We're not our ba- pa- your patients. We might be. We might have infertility problems down the line. Think of that. But, but also, we're your paycheck. Yeah, that too. And also, like, Going back to the whole there's no pre-concept for donor conception – you can't just go based off of what you've done before as a template for what you're doing now. Like, yeah. yeah, we're not your patients, but what other aspect of medicine intentionally creates human beings that maybe aren't your patients but are still part of what you're doing? It's just you can't go off of that. You're creating us. It's we're the result of your actions. It's
0: just. Your entire yes. industry is about creating sentient human beings. We are your profit. Yes. We are your product. Yes. Yes. And it's like you can't. We're not. I've said this before, but we're not mouse pads. Mm-hmm. We're not. I know you'd like us to be. <laughs> I know you really want us to be, but we aren't. And it can't work that way. You can't treat us like an inanimate object. Mm-hmm. We are sentient human beings. Mm-hmm. Treat us like some. We're, yeah. I'm like. I get it. We we paid for your renovation of your your new kitchen. I get it. You're welcome. Um. I think part of it also
1: is there's already just the sanitized nature of the the donor conception process yeah. takes a lot it does a lot to remove that humanity oh, from yeah. the DCP. Cause think about it. You're thinking about donors in terms of what parents are going to pay for which donor to. You're you're listing donor profiles, like like For parents to flip through them and pick what they want their kid to be kind of thing. All of that collectively is going to strip away from the humanity of the person you're creating, too. So by the end of it, you get this baby and it's like, cool, we 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 made a baby for this parent. It's like you're already you're not picturing this baby as. A future adult who has an inner world who has mm. thoughts and opinions about how they came to exist and yeah. it's just you're already ignoring the fact that this person has has an inner world of it of their own that they're going to be conscious of what you're doing and perceive your actions in their own and way. also be
0: affected by your actions yes because as you said this isn't like this isn't minor no donor conceived people have died yeah they, they have died as yeah. a result of your, I'm going to say, uh, inability to see us as humans. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of it. Yeah. And that is so frustrating. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and you are right. There is nothing like donor conception where it's like, yes, technically we're not the patient, but we're und- also not not but the we, patient, but we're also not not the patient. Yeah. You know, we sort of are tangentially a patient of yours, <laughs> yeah. and we should be treated like patient too, because you are create like, yeah. I yeah. know, it's hard. It's very, but there's nothing to compare it to, and it's 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 difficult. But mm-hmm. it's as we said, the donor conception doesn't just stop when you get pregnant. It no. doesn't. It it no. is now. It is a forever thing. Yeah. So. You got, so, okay, so we had the video in 2021 and 200 views on it. Then 2022, we didn't learn anything and they didn't invite any donor conceived people on a panel or anything to speak at the ASRM conference. We are now at 2023, the ASRM conventions, which will be in New Orleans in October, uh, have not invited uh, any donor conceived people to be. Yeah, Yeah. so, I mean,
1: ideally what we want, right, is for part of the conference to be, all right, what do donor conceived people think because we're creating them? Uh,
0: I mean, the council should have their own panel. That yeah, should yeah. be. Yeah, in an ideal world, right? That um, should. And so we just,
1: mm, we're pretty sure that if if that's just not going to happen unless we just really, like, you know, keep showing up for things. So uh, something that the USDCC is doing this year is uh, we're running this campaign called uh, Pull Up a Chair. And so, basically, the whole idea is because the ASRM has not given DCP a seat at the table, we are just going to bring our own chair. We're going to bring our own seats. We're pulling up a chair. We're sending a USDCC rep, at least one, hopefully more, to the ASRM conference this year to be there to network, to be part of these conversations that are happening okay. with the leaders in the industry. Um, we are fundraising because we are a small volunteer-run non- nonprofit. Uh, so. If y'all want to donate to that, go for it. Uh, <laughs> I do, yes, but, and and letting
0: yeah. you guys know, there right now there are a bunch of donor-conceived nonprofits that are, are are actively trying to raise money to get in there. Yeah, and that is a ridiculous thing. We shouldn't have to be. We should yeah. be actively being invited in and being listened to. Yeah. Um. But yes, and so a couple of things in terms of the donations. Um. So, Donor Conceived Council, where can they donate to? So, all right. So, for
1: this particular campaign, you can actually text to donate. That's probably the easiest way. So, the phone number is 53555 and text the the phrase USDCC23. Um, or we also – we have it linked pretty much all on our social media, the um, – What's it called? The donation link. It's givebutter.com forward slash USDCC23. But the easiest way is probably text to donate uh, USDCC23 to the number 53555. And any amount helps. Our goal is $3,000. We're about halfway there already. It's only been a couple of days since launching the campaign, which makes me so happy. We have the best supporters in the world. Um, But every little bit counts, whether it's a dollar or $100, whatever you can spare, we will happily and gladly accept it.
0: So just kind of letting you guys know, because I've had a lot of people uh, generously donate to my upcoming donor conceived event, which will also be in New Orleans, um, October 15th, which I will be announcing mid-September. But if you have donated to mine, please also donate to the donor conceived council. But if you want to be more involved, if you're listening to this going, shit, I want to help. How can they do that?
1: Yeah. So we're always looking for more volunteers, right? Um, It's a lot of work and not always a lot of hands to do it. And so there's a couple of different ways you can get involved with volunteering. Uh, First, we have a form that you could fill out. Uh, We have a separate form for DCP and allies of DCP who want to be volunteers. So Mm -hmm. that is linked in our instagram bio on our link tree there's like a google form at the end or you could even just literally email one of us and or reach out to us on our social media and you know we'll set up a meeting with you we'll talk to you we'll like see how we can get you involved there's always something that someone can do um and yeah there's just there's a lot of work and we would love to have volunteers involved in it um And yeah, so basically you can email one of us or fill out our volunteer form on our social media or on our websites and we will get back to you and we would love to have you.
0: But I mean, how fast you guys got together and you have made like pivotal movement in such a short period of time to me gives such hope to the donor conceived causes Mm -hmm. because when um, I genuinely and because I don't think I'm being like stupidly optimistic, I do think that we are going to make the fundamental changes we will, just due to how fast things have already moved since we all found each other connected Mm -hmm. and we immediately put together a game plan. And Mm -hmm. there's so many donor conceived people who take on different tasks Mm -hmm. very well. And we kind of all mobilized and we're like, okay, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this. And that has been, and I know that that's only gonna build over the next few years, especially as more donor conceived people Unfortunately, I find out that they're donor conceived, uh, which we know is going to happen. Yeah, which really sucks, but we we know it will, and it's going to strengthen as more and more voices, as we all kind of come together and our our volume gets just much louder. Yeah. And it is something that I do when it comes to ASRM, when it comes to the stakeholders, when it comes to the clinics and cryobanks, is that I don't think they understand that they are fighting a losing battle. No, no, and it. it I mean,
1: also at the same time too. Who like okay? People cite for one reason, regulation will lead to fewer donors. Maybe not. Maybe it'll lead to different donors. First of all, there has been research showing that it's actually the research has shown that that's not really true. It's just maybe maybe initially it dips, and then you see a shift in demographics, and sometimes the number of donors even goes above baseline after that legislation kicks in. In Uh, That's for anonymity and payment is a different situation. It's kind of muddy, but. It's yes. possible that it could really enhance the industry more than it could even theoretically hurt it, too. Because, again, if you walked into a clinic saying, uh, I want to donate and they told you we can make as many of your biological children as you want, you might not want to do that. But if you had some control over the situation, yes. if you said maybe two families, maybe five families, like what maybe that's good for me. And they worked with you, that would be much more encouraging. I knowing how the industry works, I would never just go to an egg bank and oh expect God. them to work with me. Absolutely not. And I yeah. wish it was different. Yeah, I do. And you know, I'm sh- like, maybe to a close friend, I would donate eggs to or family member, but I would just I I don't trust. I don't trust the cl- I don't trust them. And I don't I wish trust it either. was different. Um, And I also want to say too, like, yeah, we do like also with social, I run the social media. And also I'm, Always opening messages from parents saying, help, my kid is donor conceived. I just found your page. I'm learning all this stuff for the first time. I'm panicking, basically. And it's like, that should never be the case. You should get information about DCP before you even
0: start the process. But regardless. But we always hear that from recipient parents is they are, I mean, still, it's not. I wouldn't say it's the norm anymore, but there are still recipient parents to this day who are being told by their doctors, you never need to tell them that their donor can see Yeah. They're still getting told that to this day. Yeah. So they, they don't get a single scrap of resource, yeah. any sort of help. They're sort of like left and then they end up finding us. And I get those same messages where mm. I can literally hear the tears in the text yeah. going, oh, my God, I've already traumatized my child. What it do I do? Oh, breaks my God, my heart. Because parents I don't want to hurt their kids. No, right. For, for <laughs> the most part, they don't.
1: They do they, they would prefer not to. And I will say also for all of all of the heartbreaking messages I get for all of the pushback we get for. All of the times I look at the massive amount of problems we have ahead of us and just think that it it could never get solved, there's always one or two messages that are like – your page changed my direct, I learned so much. I got, we got a message the other day from someone who she's like me, my wife and I uh, found your page. And after reading through everything, we're going with the known donor. And that just, you know, you can't change the world, but you can change someone's world because now that donor conceived person is going to have a completely different outcome. Uh, And they'll still have problems maybe because the industry is still a mess, but, Now her parent or his parents know the to empathize with, oh, maybe they will want to know the donor, right? And it doesn't threaten my role as a parent. It's just another part of their life. And it's just, and so I wanna say that for every message I get that breaks my heart, there's another one that gives me so much hope. And there are so many people who want to do the right thing. And that really when I begin to feel defeated, I remember, I remember all the people who give me a reason not to feel that way.
0: I I I agree. I do think that the majority of parents, certain uh, majority of parents definitely coming up who, because the amount of parents that I've spoken to who have like a six month old or donor conceived, mm-hmm. And they're like, shit. What the fuck do I? Mm-hmm. It gives me so much hope. How quickly they were able to pivot. Yeah. Take that humility and go like, okay, we want to do what's best, and they were able to move forward on a new path so beautifully. And I'm just always like, can I, I just need you to know that I know that that wasn't easy. Yeah. I know it's it's, it is unique, and you need to be seen that you you were able to take those notes, and I appreciate yeah. that. God, I appreciate yeah. that so much.
1: Yeah, and we're not going to shame you. Like, like I'm not going to shame you. The USDCC isn't going to shame parents for doing the best that they could with the information they had, because you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. It becomes a problem when you know better and you choose not to do better, right? Or you, yes. dis- you diminish it. You diminish what you're hearing. I mean, I have, it's painful.
0: I have issues when I get into fights with parents uh, about going, like, my kid has 100 siblings. It doesn't matter. You're making a, a, a mountain out of a molehill. But and I'm like maybe it doesn't matter to you but it might matter to your kid yeah it's like <laughs> that the fact that you don't see a potential issue with this yeah is a little unfortunate uh, and i and i will i i will throw fist uh, fist uh fisty cuffs with you a little bit over that one but um Do does donor does the council have any new legislation coming up that we should be ready for to help support with some phone calls and emails? Uh,
1: Not right now. Something that we're really focused on or we've been really uh, focused on this year is responsible implementation of the law that we already passed in Colorado. Um, But we are open, always open to new uh, legislative opportunities if they align with um, our our mission statement uh right now i'm not aware of anything that has been set in stone yet that doesn't mean things won't come up
0: um i'm sure i'm sure things will say on that front (laughs) i'm sure things will be coming up very very shortly um i do think that you know again tides are shifting very very fast i know Mm -hmm. it feels slow for us because we're in the midst of it and we're in the trenches but when you kind of step back and you go oh no no it's moving real fast Mm -hmm. If there was a misunderstanding that you think that I'm going to say society has about donor conceived advocates, what would, how would you want to fix it? What would it be? And what would you like to do to amend it?
1: Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think of something. Ooh, there's a lot I could respond with. Um, I have two halves to this, if that's OK. I love two halves. <laughs> First one is um, that, you know, I, I think I this is encompassing the point of we hear a lot like, oh, like, but love makes a family. And it, it does. Right. It does. And there are nuances to that. Um, uh, it's so you can't out love systemic harm. Right. Like my parents loved the hell out of me. It doesn't mean that I don't worry about – I didn't worry about not knowing my health information or I don't worry about having a half-sibling out there that I don't know. Like things like that. You can't just out – it would be so much easier if you could. That would be wonderful. I would bend over backwards to outlove systemic harm. That's just not how it works. We need policy change. We need – public education campaigns. We need a lot. We need reform. We need a lot more than love and love. We need that, too. Right. <laughs> uh, it's just not the only thing that we need. Um, and it also doesn't mean that, you know, kids who don't see people who are loved won't care about the anonymous donor aspect. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I wish it was. It'd be so much easier and it would make my life easier as an advocate. Right. Uh, but it just that's not it. And also, um donor-conceived people aren't, especially not USCCC, we're not saying that genetics are the only thing that matter. And we're not saying that genetic family is somehow more valid than non-genetic no. family. I often get asked, like, how did learning your donor-conceived evolve your understanding of family? And I think people expect an answer of, like, family is so much more than who you're related to. And it's like, yes, it is. But I also grew up, Knewing that because most of the family I had growing up, I was not genetically related to. And this was this is when I thought I was related to my mom. Right. Mm -hmm. So cousins, aunts, uncles, like practically like there are people who are practically sisters and stuff like like I was closer to my non-related family growing up than I was to anybody who was related to me. And I think that there were a lot of times in my life when I said things like love makes a family, not DNA. And. I had wonderful intentions and I also didn't realize that there's an element of privilege that goes into being able to say that Mm -hmm. with, you know, without thinking about people who don't have the option. Because as far as I knew growing up, I was always allowed to know who I was related to. There Mm -hmm. have been times where we found new relatives and everyone was just so happy for us that we got to find someone new, more to love, like whatever. Um, And then I found out I was donor conceived and I would tell people, oh, I'm looking for the donor. Oh, like I'm looking for siblings. And the amount of pushback you get it was so different than the times where I was like oh I found a new cousin yay uh and it's just—so it didn't evolve my understanding of family to be love makes a family, not DNA. It also didn't evolve my understanding of family to be DNA is the only thing that matters. It evolved my understanding of family to being family is whatever you consider it to be. Because literally, who the hell are you to tell someone what they can call family and not? so? And part of having that chosen family is having the choice to know your family, too, and— um, So, yeah, it's just made me a lot more conscious of the fact that not everybody is allowed societally to know who they're related to. And if 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 you if you've always been allowed, you don't know what it's like to not be so. Yeah, that, it's made a lot more nuanced on that front.
0: Yeah, whenever and I and I, I have noticed that I'm I'm thrown the, uh, you know, DNA doesn't make a family. I'm thrown that a lot by people who grew up with both of their biological parents and know their family. Like, and it's like, that's really easy for you to say. Yeah, it's really easy for you to say. And it's again, neither one is wrong. Yeah. DNA, uh, but your biological family matters and your chosen family mat- Like, both are valid. I have both. I have chosen family members. Yeah. And I have my biological... Like, both matter. Yeah. And neither one is a problem, whatever.
1: It's just... It becomes a problem when you tell somebody that something can't be a certain way for them. Yeah. Or... Or what should matter to them. Yeah. It's like, well, who the hell are you? You know what who
0: I mean? Who the hell are you? And it, it really... <laughs> it's... Yeah, I, until... It really is. And I and I agree. And it, it, it there's much more nuance that needs to be brought into this conversation. And I do think that that's a big thing that we are facing um, as we are really look at we're looking at donor conception now from the lens of a donor conceived people. And we're realizing, wow, this process was so much more complicated than we thought, because they thought that they were just putting a Band-Aid on something mm-hmm. when instead they were creating an entire community of people. Mm-hmm. And they did not realize this. I think they were just like, we can just, we can smash this square peg in a round hole and it'll be fine. Yeah. No one will know. And not realizing the long-term consequences as what we were talking about with the council is we're trying to mitigate that. hmm exactly. Last question. As you guys are talking to clinics and cryobanks, mm-hmm. as you guys are having those conversations with them, do you feel like the clinics and cryobanks are recognizing that there is a problem or are they just completely head in the sand?
1: Um I want to say not everybody is head in the sand which is true, but I think the people and organizations who realize there are, is a problem are still the exception. And that should be the norm. Um, and it should be very more widely recognized too. So there have been some awesome supporters from within the industry. Mm-hmm. It's just not enough, like organizationally wise. It's very minimal. It, it, yeah, it's still the exception and that shouldn't be the case.
0: That, well, I, I hope that it continues to grow. Mm-hmm. I I really genuinely hope that as there is this Cause we have sort of felt like there's a changing of the guard that's almost happening within the industry where I'm going to say more of like the old ways that it has Mm -hmm. happened are all starting to leave. And there are new people coming in that I am hoping that will be a little bit more receptive to hearing the feedback. Um, and I do think that the industry is, they're already taking a hit because there are so many donor conceived stories like Our Father that are coming mm-hmm. out that, is, that are making people going like, oh shit, do I have something to be concerned about? Yeah. And it's again, it's why I'm like, guys, go with the change now before yeah. your hand is forced. Exactly, exactly.
1: The sooner the better. And things are going in the right direction and I hope to see it continue that way and to go faster in the right direction.
0: I think we're going to be, let's see, it's, it's 2023 now. I really think in 33, um, I think we're going to be already looking at an entirely new industry. It, we might not be all the way there yet. I doubt we're going to be because we haven't even touched on international law yet, mm-hmm. which is like, there's <laughs> the a whole lot, other thing. That's a whole other thing is when it comes to donor international law, Jesus. But I do think that we are going to look, we are going to be leaps and bounds. Yeah. Um, ahead of where we are now, where we're just trying to explain the basics. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Melissa, thank you for coming on and representing the council. Are there any final thoughts, final words in which you would like to impart onto my fabulous, amazing, uh, wonderful audience?
1: Oh, fabulous, amazing, wonderful audience. Indeed. Uh, Follow us on social media. Keep up with everything we do. We have Instagram. We are at donor conceived council, Twitter, where dc council usa facebook we're just u.s donor conceived council we're also on threads now same uh username as instagram donor conceived council we have linkedin pretty much every social media you can find us on at this point we do have a tiktok also uh just keep up with what we're doing we're always putting out new stuff and if you're not donor conceived uh and you're advocating for dcp thank you keep doing what you're doing uh we really appreciate all of the allyship we have and can get
0: there's one thing actually on your page that i recently made a video about that i really really want to point all of my intended recipient parents to desperately and also my my Current recipient parent, what would be current recipient parents or intended parents? I don't know. Well, because you have intended, and then intended you have like
1: recipients, a- recipient parents. So yeah, we have
0: our intended recipient parents and recipient parents. I direct you all to go to one's very specific thing um, on the council's page. Is they made probably one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. It's a graph, and it's a traffic light graph that shows all of the banks in the United States, and then basically. Rates them using traffic lights, using green, red, yellow, um, black, gray, and shows very clearly what their bank policies are. Mm -hmm. And I want to be clear, this does not reflect regulations. This does not reflect regulations. But this very clearly shows what the bank policies are. And we, we know that there are banks who break their own bank policies. Like we know that exists, but I do believe that this graph mm-hmm. shows such a good temperature check.
1: Thank you.
0: Such a good temperature check yeah. on these banks as to what they do value. Mm-hmm. And you can see who are trying to progress and take on donor conceived values mm-hmm. and who are like, fuck that bullshit. <laughs> And I cannot recommend this graph. I think this is singularly one of the most important tools an intended recipient parent can have. Share this with all intended recipient parents. I I, I cannot pray. And whoever made that and took the time to make that, oh, my God, they deserve all of the fruit baskets in the fucking world. <laughs> they worked
1: so hard on that. I wasn't part of the pro- that oh project. God. And the people who were worked their best off it really they put so much time into it it's and brilliant they, it really shows how much it's they care about this topic too it really they work so hard on it
0: they do and it was i'm like that is such a good tool mm-hmm. it is singularly such a phenomenal tool so i thank whoever did that for me <laughs> oh my god just brilliant work but please everybody like if you're if you're gonna go to their site go donate and then go check out this graph and send it to everybody you know because it's just it's so fantastic um, and I will put the link to that graph along with the donation links in the captions um, just so that everybody has that. But I think I think that's it. Oh my God, yeah. thank you. And go donate. And I will, am I gonna see you? In, are you gonna be in New Orleans?
1: I will be. <gasps> okay, yay! I will be. I'll see you there, Laura.
0: I will see you there. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I have not, I'm not announcing my event yet, but I am getting a new sperm costume. I'm so excited for this, and it's and it's it's getting made by a Broadway costumer. Oh my I'm goodness, so this is
1: groundbreaking.
0: <laughs> it is. I well, because my first one was like I bought it on Amazon, yeah. which was like, and it it's literally decaying on <laughs> me. It is the most disgusting thing. Like I need to toss it as soon uh, as I can. But this new one, I'm very excited about. So you'll see me running around in that.
1: I'm looking forward to this reveal. I, right, can't wait. I will
0: see you in New Orleans. We'll get some <laughs> beignets. See ya. Yeah, can't wait. All right, thank you guys. Bye.